You're listening to the Rogers Waterfowl Podcast. This is A.A. Ron Jones. Chandler Smith here. Let's talk some waterfowl. But we do all have holiday cupcakes, eh? That's nice. That's uh, appreciated. So let's see. Where do we want to start? I don't know if we really want to talk about this evening. Mm-mm. I would. Stale, stale duck. I would. I'd talk about it. The stale duck. Yeah. Truth shall set you free. I feel like the duck gods would appreciate it if we just get it off our chests and we can move forward. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Air out the dirty laundry of we watched ducks tonight. We've earned it. Yeah, I mean, sometimes yeah. you're the bug, sometimes you're the windshield. Today, we weren't. We, we were not the windshield. It just I had didn't happen. heavy duck loads and extended chokes in, so, you know, I could have shot them at 80 if I needed to. Tough day. Cloudy day ducks. Finally got cold, but they're trained to do the night thing right now, so. Yeah, literally, we just watched them oh. come in 30 minutes after legal shooting time. Sit up there for seven, eight hours, and they don't fly all day, and then we're recording a podcast 200 yards from where we just spent the whole day hunting, and now they're flying. Yeah. Oh, piling it. Yeah, and it's, you know, shooting time ended. 40 minutes ago, and it's just stuck hunting. Stacked. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Life's good, you know. But I think they're happy. They got to live. Shoot them every time we go out there. Uh, they'll quit coming back, so yeah, it'll turn around eventually. Yeah. And, Bo, you didn't really get in on tonight's action. You're sleepy. Smartest guy in the room. Yeah. Man, I don't know. I'm, I'm at about 2,200 miles driven the last four days, and... I'm tired. I'm not going to lie, guys. We were out there sitting in the cold out there, and I'm like, man, started thinking about the gumbo, started thinking about the couch, you know, just you know, a little combination of both. Yeah, yeah. And I, I came in here, and I found both of them. I'm not going to lie. And then you found Elf. And then you found Elf in the back of my eyelids. So it was a – it was <laughs> I, I, do I say magical? Did I say that? Well – you did just now. Just now. This is this it was. It was magical. No, it was. But, I mean, we. I was out there with uh, with you guys for a little bit earlier in the afternoon. And I got to watch you guys work some birds for a little bit. And, and then I passed out. I felt I felt like I was right there with you almost. Yeah, we got to know. watch him too. Yeah, <laughs> and we watched him. Bird watching. Yeah. Bad shot call. No one let you leave it down. Yeah. Or no shot call, I should say. Yeah. In my defense... I was the only one that could have shot, and they were 15, 20 yards. I could have shot them, and I probably should have. But I didn't because I'm a nice guy, and I watched them fly away. So what's worse, Fair me just. not calling the shot and letting them fly away or me just shooting them because I'm the only person who well, can shoot? No, I could have shot some, too. Danged if you do, too. danged if you don't. I, have, oh. <laughs> I was, was going to let the host call the shot, though. Yeah, you know. It's about you guys. you got to be selfish. That actually, you know, that's a kind of an unwritten rule that nobody really talks about is, man, if you get invited on a hunt or anything like that, or like you just said, the host, he's, unless he says something otherwise, I said, hey, you're, you're calling it. Blind leading the blind. Sorry, guys. <laughs> you'd, hear, you'd hear a big snap in the blind for me because that rule is getting broken over my knee if they're sitting there at 10 yards. Boom, get him. <laughs> Thanks, Brooke. Yeah. Give him a high five down the line. Yeah, Absolutely. So what we're talking about today, today's podcast is going to be infield goose calling, and we really struggled to find anybody today that I think is qualified for that podcast, but we rounded up a couple rough guys. That So yeah, we spent all day duck hunting, but we're going to talk about what's coming up next as far as 
goose hunting. We're going to get ahead of that game so everybody can listen and put this, what we're going to talk about, into the field. And uh, who are we with, Aaron? Well, we're with the guys from Higdon. And I guess let's just go down the line and everybody introduce yourself. Brooke Richard. Bo Brooks. Kyle Jones. And then I'm Chandler and Aaron. Yeah. So, yeah, infield goose calling, that's something that, you know, there's there's competition calling. And obviously, we've got a two-time world champion here that is probably qualified to talk about goose calling. Yeah, <laughs> so for sure. that's part of the reason we're here. So that's a big bonus. But, you know, a, a lot of things for our listeners is practical infield application. Yeah, and we uh, we did really well with the duck one. And we, this is not necessarily – we'll probably go into some things about – how to make these notes, but this is not maybe how to blow a goose call, but this is how to use a goose call and, and maybe basic aspects or more advanced aspects in the field um, in different scenarios, you know. And uh, there's a lot of different scenarios for hunting Canada geese, and they're all, you know, from from dry fields to to smaller ponds and, what you know, whatever type of food you're on, you know, what are you trying to do, what time of day, all that stuff we're going to get into here. Yeah coming up here shortly roosting birds loafing birds feeding birds traffic all yeah. that stuff absolutely that's a lot that is a lot. explaining it all I'm like, all right, now where do we start well i mean i think you're going to get quite a few different great uh point of views because i'm a midwest canada goose hunter uh bow is a western canada goose hunter from washington oregon and then you've got brooke who is uh, you know, specs are getting a little bit more popular and everything, so he can kind of offer a little bit on. We we all kind of got the whole U.S. covered, I guess, yeah, <laughs> in a way, actually. minus the white birds. But yeah. we'll, nobody we'll, likes those anyway. Yeah, I like shooting them. Yeah, they're fun. Yeah. That's true. Hunting story. them, different story. <laughs> shooting them, great time. Yeah, <laughs> I I like it a lot. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness. So um, I guess. Um, if you're listening, you want to take some of this to the field. I mean, we're you know we're all kind of doing this on a short read goose call. Um, we'll try to explain when we say some of these notes or some of these things that we're trying to do. We'll try to explain that to our best ability, and you know we'll probably even Kyle will probably even make the sound and do this do the do kind of a example of what he's talking about. But uh, I guess we'll keep, jump into maybe we'll start with the most common scenario. You know. Um, Maybe drive goose field. I say most common, but that, you know that's just what first comes to my head. And then we'll maybe work to make it more difficult, harder, you know, and we'll work away from there. Um, I guess we're not really talking about decoy spreads. We're talking about calling. Um, but I guess Kyle, kind of go into maybe a real quick. What's your favorite field goose decoy spread? Um, favorite. Well, favorite. Uh, field goose decoy spread, uh, man. I I like uh, I call it a fishbone, and what it is, it starts out. Uh, it's a it's just like a, a starts out on wide side on the upwind side of the decoy spread. You've got an extremely wide uh, and thick portion of the decoy spread, and you just kind of string it down into a smaller little finger. Um, and usually, what you'll do is you'll set up on that heavy um, heavy side or, or, you know, the, the thickest side of the decoy spread, uh, uh, all the way on the upwind side. And those geese will naturally try to drag all the way up, 
that either slight hook or that that line of decoys. So it's I like to set them loose, but obviously, you know, it depends situation to situation as far as tightness goes, what you've been seeing, and everything like that. But that's that's kind of like my style. I I've always you know I've kind of got tried to get away from the the alphabet type style spreads although those can be effective but that's also what everybody else is trying to throw as well so i try to stay away from that and go a fishbone or loose family groups or anything like that um my favorite field scenario would be obviously you want to be on the x you know you want to be there um that way it requires little to no calling uh to (laughs) to sit there and just enjoy it those geese you hear them they're on their way and you just buckle up and get ready you might have to do a couple quick clucks or something like that yeah so i guess we'll jump into that scenario and kind of get that one out of the way because a lot of people if you've been in the scenario um it's not much it's pretty it's you know if you're on the x and your your height is good and you have the decoys and you have it set up to where you're in the right spot for the birds to finish and you've done all the homework and done everything right there you know, calling what you're like, what you said is very minimal. So that's, you know, what, explain what kind of, in your, you know, and Bo, you can jump in too. I mean, what's the first, when you see a group of geese, what's the first thing you do? And you can throw flagging into this too. Uh, what is the first thing you do and kind of run through? And, yeah, you to know. get their attention, what are you? Um, do we, part of it is what, what Kyle and I will listen to. We're here, we try to listen to sometimes. Yeah. They'll freaking, they do, they, if they start talking. Yeah. Yeah, you know, that, that tells you a lot too if you're, you yeah. know that they're buckled up and coming. Or you'll hear your your a lot of times. I mean, you might not hear a note at all. They might just be silent coming through, and then yeah, and then you'll hear a moan that's coming through. And then that's when you're you know you're getting ready just in case you want to hit them with a cluck, or uh, just like a single cluck or anything like that. Um, the only time if I'm hunting an X X field, the only time I usually flag. Uh, is if I need to pick them up. If they're if they're starting to land out from my decoy spread, I try to hit them with a flag just to keep their center of attention on the decoy spread. Uh, but most of the time, I mean, if they're if they're already coming to that that field, I might get maybe a cluck. Uh, if they're coming in and they're really really active with vocalization, that's when I might get a little bit of double clucks and cluck moan. Uh, combinations as well just because it's you know you're, you're trying to do uh, you're trying to do what they're doing uh, one thing I actually will give uh, Brooke credit to is apps like moving down here listen to him spec call and how he communicates with specs uh, I've tried to do that into Canada's as well because he'll listen he'll vocalize with one spec and what Bo and I went up to Michigan and that's exactly what we did we listened to one goose give his you know he did a just a spit note uh if you hit that right back they love that and they we just mimic it and we just fire it right back and it was just like done deal you know sealed the deal they're coming in that's that's the thing too is when there's two people calling in the blind or three people just listen to your your buddy that sees the birds and he's got something going with them you like me ca- over calling over him is just going to hurt you way more than it's going to help you you know that's kind of the thing is just i like i like kyle start i just kind of i want to do something different to help him but i don't want to you know we don't all have to be out there blowing our guts out for these geese you know kyle is really he doesn't call a whole lot when we hunt geese until we have to which is great you know just enough to keep him on the line just 
Just keep them coming. And then when we actually need it, we have th three collars just put them right in the spread, you know. So if you can give kind of an example of like when you see geese coming and you you know you're pretty sure they're coming, some of the clucks you're talking about, and are you talking them all the way to the ground too? Uh, yeah, I mean it. It really depends on their body language. You know, if they're, if if like what I talked about earlier, if they're starting to land far or land which long, they like to do a lot. Yeah, which big geese are notorious for that. And I need to hit a flag. I'll try to get some type of vocalization, whether it's a set a series of quick clucks, uh, or quick spits, just to to pick them up and really focus their energy on that on that decoy spread. Um. But yeah, I hear. I'll give you. Uh, so what we were talking about earlier, uh, maybe what we'll do is if you hear a goose like that, oh, that 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 moan coming at, into the decoy spread, I'll just hit them with a really quick cluck. They'll do that moan, and then y'all, I'll just hit them with that cluck as soon as that moan gets over, because that's just an aggressive sound with those geese. And that's that's really uh, if I need if they're obviously if they're if they're getting a little bit more vocal if they're you know spit noting or um, hitting a lot of like hiccup notes or or double clucking back and forth that's when you know when two guys can really sound extremely realistic. Um, but uh, and I'll give you an example in a second. But uh, the the double clucks if you need to get more aggressive with it it's just two geese talking. So you're if they're if they're clucking like crazy in the in the air, uh, what we'll do is we'll hit them with quick double clucks. Just and then to go back to the reference of the flagging earlier, uh, if I need to hit them with the flag and to pick up those geese, I'll hit that quick spit or quick uh, clucks in uh, in conjunction with each other. And that is, I mean, that's extremely effective when it comes to picking up those geese and then trying to get them, right them a little bit down. closer if yep. they try to, to land out there. And as far as our calling stuff, this is for our, I don't know if we specified this, this is about little, I mean, it's big geese. Yeah. And, you know, we call little geese a lot different, you know, little like cacklers all the way up to lessers. We call them a lot different. Yeah, you so. West Coast guys have tons of different types <laughs> yeah, of geese yeah. out there. <laughs> a lot of different size species of geese, so. All you guys from the West Coast are sorry, sorry, Brooke. Everyone, all you guys from the West Coast, these are the big ones, <laughs> yeah, the the really big ones. I think what's interesting, and in, in myself being from South Louisiana, of course, I never grew up hunting Canada geese, and I'm fortunate enough to be able to do that now with my occupation and get to hunt with Kyle and Bo and Kelly Powers and really knowledgeable goose hunters. Is there's so many relatable aspects to spec hunting or spec calling, I should say, or duck calling. Really what we're all looking for is, as callers in general, is a response from the birds. And not necessarily a response, the response you want, and that's, come where I can shoot you with a shotgun. And so what's interesting for me is when I hunt with these guys, a lot of times I don't even know where my can of goose call is. Because I've got these guys, it's a great thing, I play the trigger finger, but I see them doing that. They see a response from a bird, and they know, I know how to get that bird's attention and they may not give it to them every single time, but they know whenever I push go with this certain note, I get this certain response. It becomes controllable, and they start working as a team. It's the exact same thing with, with not necessarily duck calling, but there is an aspect of that with duck calling. But spec calling is just like that. You're 
communicating with that one bird, and maybe the bird that's leading the flock, or maybe it's not, but you find the one thing that really upsets that bird and turns them inside out, and you drive it home and use it when you have to, not every single time, and you're going to finish more birds and kill more birds. And I think that's, for me, a fly on the wall watching these guys. It's so relatable to other styles of calling. But, heck, it works so well when you've got all these tricks and, and different notes that these guys have. They're looking for a response. They're not looking for how good of a caller can I sound like or how many geese can I sound like. It's how do I get those birds here. So it's really cool for me to see that and relate that to spec calling and see more birds die because these guys know how to really upset these birds. It's really cool for me. Agreed. So, Kyle, could you maybe let's just pick two. Could you split that what you're talking that type of calling sequence into a beginner and then to a, a maybe more advanced? So if a beginner was in the situation you just talked about on the X, yep. you know, I was thinking if he can perform the cluck, you know, that might be where he goes to. Um, and then maybe on the advanced side, I think you kind of talked about the, the hiccups and the spit notes and stuff like that. But let's say if somebody who's just got the short read starting to get figured out what would be a go-to for them in this type of scenario they've they've done the scouting they've done the homework what i mean when this stuff happens do i mean you try not to, you're not overblowing you know you're not doing too much what, what would you suggest for a beginner and then the the uh advanced maybe more uh, experienced goose caller yeah i mean with the with a with a beginner guy um you know any type of any guy any hunter that I talk to whether that a show online whatever uh, whenever they want to start Canada goose calling or they're like hey man I'm just getting into it there's always a series of notes or a set of notes that I I recommend 100% learning and and mastering uh, before you know trying to get into other notes so your beginner guys you know i would i'd love for them to learn a cluck a double cluck and a moan because if you can do any of those three notes you can do all of those you can you can hit them on any of those sequences that we just talked about whether you're advanced or whether you're a beginner if you can and that's the thing with with canada goose calling you've got to to crawl before you walk walk before you jog jog before you run and that's that's the biggest thing is is to learn the cluck learn the double cluck which is just two geese it's two different pitched uh two different pitches of a cluck and then your moan uh can you hit those for us real yeah, quick just so yeah. they can hear so, it well uh with a cluck i mean it's just a, a single goose just out in the field on the water doing whatever it's a <laughs> Obviously, you can get a little bit more aggressive with it if you want to do it quicker. Um, and I'll do, give that example here. So that would be, you know, that one single cluck. That is one goose. And then if all you do is change the the way your hands are the way your hands are moving for each cluck and the pitch of your voice inflection I always try to uh, tell guys with a cluck and changing from a double cluck uh, from a high cluck to a low cluck all you need to do is think about it like you're singing in the car right you're singing uh, the bass the Josh Turner right uh, of the low goose and then you've got the Bruno Mars the high goose right all you're doing is going oof, with your cluck, right? So that's your two geese. <laughs> and 
and you can you can space it out to be more relaxed. Say you're in a warmer scenario uh, where it's middle of September, you're hunting early season geese on a loaf pond or anything like that. Or if you need to get more aggressive with it to get them to pick up from short stopping you, any situation like that is that double cluck. All you got to do is hit your high pitch voice inflection for that high cluck, low pitched for that low cluck. Um, and then just move your hands just a little bit and open them up and close them back down. But um, that would be that would be for the for the beginner or you know the the guy that's been hunting for a little while and picked up a Canada goose uh, goose call for the first time a couple years ago. Uh, knowing those notes uh, and mastering those three is going to help you immensely uh, in the long run. And then as far for you know an advanced guy. You know, learning uh, obviously anytime you can expand expand your vocabulary is is just going to benefit you so much more. Um, one thing I've noticed, uh, really, with any type of animal that you can expand your vocabulary in turkeys, elk, uh, ducks, geese, speckle bellies, whatever it is, uh, anytime you can learn a different note, it's going to help you control those animals when it comes to this to, when you're when you're put in the situations where you need to hit those notes you can control them more and you can demand those geese where you need where they're gonna go you know with uh say i mean for turkey anything now is is if you can expand that you can just really uh put them in the right spot or the right situ or the the right area to kill those kill those birds yeah. As a and like as a you know as a hunter, <clears throat> you know having an expanded vocabulary, you know you can go out to a, you know, anywhere and just you could try it. It works. Yeah. The birds you get a response from it. The birds aren't hearing that from everybody else. You know. I think that's the biggest one is you have something other people may not have. Yeah. yeah. And whether they're still birds or whatever they are, you do something different. Show them a different hand in a game of poker. Yeah. yeah. Hey, who wins? You know, I think that's the biggest thing is it's yeah. a game of it's a chess game of deception and when you have more tricks in your bag, yeah, your odds increase tremendously. Yeah. Exactly. And, and to go to, you know, if you're to go into trying to push guys to expand that vocabulary, say you're in a traffic situation, right? In Kansas where there's a lot of pressure, you know, you're getting more and more guys that are hunting Canada geese and you got three different groups that you're running traffic with well who's gonna win you know are you, and you're all hunting the same birds i mean you're really trying to pull those birds off those other guys and those other guys are trying to pull those birds off of you two the two groups the guys with the biggest loudest vocabulary is gonna win you know it's that's really what it is especially when hunting in a, in a traffic situation so let's move into that which kind of your favorite setup for <coughs> traffic oh big and wide really big just traffic um you know i i didn't hunt a ton of it whenever i was in uh in michigan because just because of the the area i was in i was fortunate enough to be able to get permission on a lot of this places that i wanted to but there were situations where i needed it and there was a lot of times where i'm sitting there thinking man i really could use a couple extra dozen decoys you know so i like to run you know with a with the traffic situation i try to run the kitchen sink everything in the kitchen sink is just you know several dozen i mean talking seven plus 
if you're running full bodies i mean silos are a new thing nowadays that are uh you're you're able to run and look bigger than what you really are um and then with just trying to i mean reverting back to what i said earlier i try not to go and and do any alphabet shaped spreads but man a big some type of big u hook c whatever you need to is is really i mean it's it's proven it's proven to work i mean you give the birds a spot uh where they want to land and they're and you can do it whenever you're you know telling those birds demanding those birds where do they need to go um i one of my buddies he told me uh man i put decoys where i don't want birds to land so i mean you can think about that too i mean that's going down a whole nother rabbit hole but big wide uh spreads loud aggressive calling obviously your hide needs to be extremely uh good but uh loud fast aggressive calling so so i called kyle here about when did i call you when i was goose hunting here a few months ago that was probably october ish i called kyle and i had a big group of geese in a field that i'm put i'm running partial traffic and they're hitting the field as well and you know Kyle, like, talk about the height a little bit. You know, when I was when I was out there, you know, he told me he's like, man, he's like, you know, the hide's hide's number one for these things. You know, more than anything, you know, let's try and get a hide. You know, the the calling can be good, the decoys can be good, the hide's not good. You know, that's just the hardest part. Yeah, I think that was you were debating whether to set up in the middle. In the middle, yeah. Or to get off on the edge, which. If you're in in the western part of the world, West Washington, Oregon, Idaho, a lot of the guys there they really rely on those edges uh, because a lot of the fields don't have the the stubble. Yeah, the stubble is about that tall. Yep. Nice little golf course. Yep. And man, I can't I can't remember. Were you using frames or were you using blinds? So we're using we Invisimen. Okay. Yeah. So uh, I think I man I was like, well, I mean, if you if they're if they're landing obviously if they're landing out in the middle of that field um there's really not any other option as far as trying to pull them over to you um so setting up on the edge might be the best the best option for you um but in the case of him running traffic it wouldn't if he's got enough decoys and everything like that uh, he can hide his blinds well with the and that's that's what he, i did i hit hit him with the with the decoys the blinds with the decoys we did end up shooting some birds but they was it was pretty tough they were seeing me still which uh i'm sitting there thinking my man kyle wouldn't have been proud right now these <laughs> geese coming in walking up from the heavens and they get about i don't know 50 yards you know within effective range <laughs> and then they then they go I'm like, no, hey, hey, <laughs> get back down here. <laughs> we were just having a good conversation. So yeah, in a in a traffic situation, you feel like hides like the most important, or or decoys the amount. Man, well, I'm always a a hide guy first, absolutely a hide guy first because I mean, you could if you have you could have a hundred dozen decoys out, but if your hide's not good, that's not going to matter. You know, they're they're still going to bump. Uh, now they might, they might land on the other side of the decoys. If you got, you know, a hundred dozen, it might be 75 yards away from you. But, you know, it, it, uh, I've always go hide first, then decoys, then, then you're calling. Uh, absolutely. 
So, and then, so you have the best hide you can possibly get. Kitchen sink of decoys. Anything you own. Everything you own. And then, is it the kitchen sink of calling when it comes to that time? When it when it comes to that traffic, uh, when it comes to traffic calling, I, man, whoever can operate a goose call, please, like, step in and just give them clucks or, you know... <laughs> Uh, I always feel bad, and they're gonna hear this. But man, there's there's some guys that if they operated a goose call, I'd tell them just like murmur, you know, just just do a just do this, just because most of the time if we asked them to murmur, they weren't very good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I sound like such a jerk. But that's, that's my job. <laughs> yeah. He's got a great murmur. Yeah, yeah Brooks really good at the murmur. Um, but that's better than nothing. But yes, a- absolutely. And 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 you know, you're wanting to create an, as much traffic uh, or as much commotion as you possibly can because you're really. I mean, you're pulling. Who knows how far you're going to be pulling birds? Whether you're, you know, you've got three guys in the blind that are running a flag plus calling, or you've got eight guys calling and one guy running a flag i mean it's you need to you need to have the communication to the geese uh as as good or as as loud as possible in in a lot of scenarios with that so let's say you're running traffic and you see you see honkers but they're not necessarily paying attention to you what are you going to do to try to get their attention to get them to come your direction oh well um I'll generally, depending on how far the, I'll, I'll get out in the decoy spread and, you know, flag. If I got, if I've got two flags, I'll have another guy out there just trying to get their attention. And each one of us is going to be calling at the same time, just trying to not necessarily making it like any notes or anything like just commotion. I mean, it is like, it's kind of like you're, I don't look at me. Yeah. It, you're, you're just trying to, trying to get it. You know, you'll be paying attention to those geese, and you'll see, you'll see them from a far ways away, and you're you're getting their attention as soon as you get that one to two that kind of do that a little flip towards you, or a little bit of a turn or anything like that, or skip a wing beat. That's when you know that you've got their attention at least, and you, well, you need to keep doing what you're doing. Um, so, I'm a lot of times I'll be out there just calling like crazy, just doing all kinds of different, you know just different notes that you wouldn't really do in a hunting or a, an X type situation just because I'm I'm just trying to get their attention. Uh, and then I'll be running out there with flags too. And then obviously once I get their attention, I'm running back to the blind uh, and then do, keep in, and just keeping that attention as far as like getting double clucks, clucks, moans, everything like that. So are you are you trying to in, in this traffic scenario? Say you're out there running around the decoy spread, um, and and these these flags are black T flags. If you're not familiar, the listeners, if you're not familiar with them, but I've, I've, uh, they've been around for a while and they're very effective. Um, you know, they look like a T kind of thing, and they're usually about three, uh, two size and a half. Goose. Yeah, usually size of the goose, and they mimic the geese landing. What do you think about that? Last twenty feet, it seems like is what they kind of. From a distance, when I see somebody in a field, because I see them all the time running that goose flag, I can tell that what's what it's looking like is a is a geese, you know, final finishing right on top of those decoys. Whoa, whoa, yeah, whoa. that final that final backpedal. Um, when you're calling at these geese in traffic, when do you know that you got them? You think is it, are you calling it the lead bird? Are you calling it any bird? Any bird that looks your way? You watching all the head positions and that kind of stuff? Uh, man, that 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 is usually tough because. Generally, I'm trying to just get 
at least one of those birds to get to kind of hang off because if if a lot of times if one's coming or starts to swing out there might be a, a pair or you know a second one that comes with it maybe three four something to break off or even or, or even, even the whole, whole group yeah. yeah uh most of the time what i'll know when i know i've got them is usually when they just start to kind of angle a little bit towards me and then that's when i know okay i've got their attention I've got if I'm keep doing what I'm doing and keep giving it to them, I know that I can I can get these birds to come in and finish. Yeah, they'll look like they're drifting your yes. way a little bit more. They Absolutely, they don't turn. You'll you'll, you'll see. Not yeah, like not back, not, not like duck. not completely towards you. I mean, if that happens, dude, absolutely, like, <laughs> let, <laughs> sign let, the deal. Let's get it done, right? That's the biggest thing too. Is what a lot of people don't understand is on a bird and, and you'll see it a bird's you know whether it's a duck or a goose or anything they're flying over you you get their attention you'll see that head look at you yep. and i see it all the time in spec spec calling and duck calling whatever it may be you get that bird you do something that bird likes or in a goose situation really dislikes because geese are aggressive and they look at you whether they're mad or happy their body follows their head so if you can get between their ears get their attention and they look at you their body's coming and then it's just keeping their attention, so it's just staying on them. So, I mean, that's – I think a lot of people miss that. It's just, oh, well, let's just sound like geese. No, it's – let's either try to make this goose really happy or let's try to make this goose really mad. And if I can get it to look at me and I can still keep feeding it stuff, I win because the goose is coming to me as long as I've got its attention. Yeah. Yeah. But it's a big deal, too, I mean, especially in traffic because they're not – they're not going to come to you if they're not – we don't get their attention, period. It's just look at me, here I am. Once they look at you, you just better hope they like it. If they don't like it, well, then you better start changing stuff. But uh, for the calling aspect of stuff, hunting with Kyle and Bo, I understand watching it. But, I mean, it is like, it'd be like me carrying a truckload of different goose notes in a bag. Like, they'll sit there and just try thing after thing after thing and sound like the whole decoy spread. And when it works, all of a sudden it's, okay, now we're in the game. And then all of a sudden it's not a traffic situation. It's you've turned your traffic situation into a potential X. And then it's the more realistic moans and stuff, which I think is incredible because it's it's communication. You're speaking a different language, but um, it's so cool to watch this. And I think anybody listening to this, watch where a bird's head is looking, probably where its body's going. And I think a lot of people really miss that when it comes to calling waterfowl. Mm-hmm. That body language is is huge. Uh, and to add to what Brooke was just talking about, man, if and reverting back to what we were talking about before that, but we – all like when it comes to the body language of the of geese um i'm not focusing on a lead bird or any i'm trying to find one and if i see one start to give me something that it looks like it's liking i am focusing all 100% of my attention on that one and trying to convince that one bird to come yes and, and i think that that's one thing that i think a lot of guys can kind of stumble upon is they're trying to get that whole flock and they're focusing on the whole flock versus focusing on that one goose right because i mean in a traffic situation those geese aren't coming in that field anyway if you pull one man you did your job but if you focus on that one the reward of all those potential other ones that come in with it that follow it is is huge that's what we're after right yeah it's, it's like flock shooting you you know you go hunting for the first time 50 of them come in feet down and your head's off your stock and you're just you're paying attention to everything going on and you miss the whole group because you weren't focused on that one. And I think that's the most important thing is you get that one and then you get that you keep that one bird's attention and you're on him and then all the other birds are convinced that 
oh, let's follow this bird here, and then you win. I mean, that's that's the prize is getting the whole group. That's what we all want. We'll take one, but 101 is a whole lot better than one every time. Uh, you know, just for an example here is this morning when we are hunting the, the timber hole, we had Bo and Brooke both calling specs, uh, and they broke two off. And eventually that two turned into 10, you know, because they focused all that attention on the, those two that brought those. Uh, we didn't finish them because we're in a timber hole. But still, I mean, they were 45 yards away from being shot, you know, and it was just one of those deals where it can really, really turn into something great. Yeah, focus, focusing on the one bird that's giving you its undivided attention is a huge deal in any traffic situation because that's, you're not hunting where the birds, they're not coming there. If you don't show up with decoys and you don't, you know, show up with a good hide in mind and you don't show up with a good game plan for calling or the ability to call, those birds are not coming to that field. And I think that's what's most rewarding about a traffic situation. It's, I didn't just go, you know, mohiki sneaky on these birds and sit in the bushes and wait for them to come. There's nothing wrong with that. But whenever you've manipulated that bird, to me, that's the most rewarding version of, of waterfowl hunting and waterfowl calling is I won. I fooled these birds, complete deception life's good um it's very fulfilling and i think a lot of that comes from exactly what kyle and Bo were talking about it's find that one bird that gives you the time of day and drive it home just stay on him and get him so on, on calling when you get there let's say you've done that you've got attention let's say you got three maybe six ten maybe the whole spread or the whole flock decides to turn and fall that one goose do you back off or do you keep it uh that can really depend i mean it, it depends on the uh, on the day the the geese gotta uh, feel it yeah i mean you you're talking that's part about being a call you know just calling geese and birds in general you know you'll feel it if you if you just keep, start going really hard on them and then you're feeling like it's like drag fishing you know if your drag's too tight you're gonna you know you're gonna lose the fish if yeah. your drag's too loose the fish you know there, there's a there's such a fine teeter-totter balancing yeah. system you've got to be able to read but them there's sometimes you can just after you've got them turned you can just let them come until yeah. you want to hit them again with everything you got to put them right down yeah. and then there's other times where you Usually, make the wall if you're if if you're if you've got geese you know turned within 300 yards and they're doing they're and you're giving it all you've got and they're still coming you can probably keep do, giving it all you got uh but if you notice that you know hey there, there's one or two that are starting to shift a little bit man it might be best just to kind of ease off or something like that just to, that bird's body you know uh their body language but i mean there's times where i've kept the, the i mean <laughs> there's plenty of times where i've kept the fire rolling and kept the coals going and it was it was a little too much and those birds you know they phase well, off usually, or, usually yeah. you see it right there at the yes. very end because yep. when you want them to actually do something when yep. you just want to tell if the best with i think with any hunting scenario turkeys elk ducks geese if you can save something for the very end mm -hmm. to tell them what to do then do it yeah spec hunting that's huge i mean you like today we're calling it specs in the yep. timber hole right i mean let's be honest it, it's not the place to go spec hunting can it happen absolutely we did it last year when we were doing this podcast uh different type of podcast but podcast with you guys if it takes 101% of everything you and the callers next to you in the blind have to break that bird or that group of birds and you still have to work them on the corners and finish them, you better hope that they loved exactly what you had to give them from the get-go because if they demand anything extra and you've already showed them everything just to get them to look, it makes everything almost impossible to 
oh, now they're leaving. We've, we're blue in the face. We gave them everything we've got. Now what do we do? Oh, let's do the same thing we did. Yep, they yeah. never look back. Yeah, then yeah. they don't look back. Yeah, yeah but who knows? I mean, I, I love that. Because we, I do it all the time myself, and and maybe I don't think about it that way. Or you know, with duck calling today, I mean, there's always that really excited cadence that never doesn't come out all the time. But that's like that extra, like you know, you're hitting them on that corner on that perfect time just to really get them excited, just to say, finally, I'm I'm coming down and getting to that that range that we're all want waiting and wanting them to shoot them at. You know, not 50, 60. We're wanting to. There's you know, we swung a lot of birds today. Um, we watched a lot of birds today, and you know we're maybe picky on how low our shots or where we want them to be when we shoot them. But there's we always have that that little bit something else, and everybody I, I can hear does when these birds get to these certain points, and it's like all right, I need one, you know, something else. To, what worked last time? Or, yeah, 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 to to get them to drop even lower, to, to get them to commit fully. Um, duck geese, I think it's the same thing, you know. Um, the cool part is. Is that's what makes all this fun? I mean, it's it's a challenge. There's no right answer. There's just suggestions from absolutely uh, people who have been kicked in the teeth a bunch of times and learn from their mistakes. And anybody listening to this, um, yes, there's a lot of good information that you hear from multiple sources, and you may pick up something great that's going to work well for you in certain situations from this podcast. But um, any the one piece of advice I can give to anybody is go do the wrong things whole bunch of times and find what works for you and the only way to do try that is to try different things yeah, yeah trying different things and learn different things and and lose a whole bunch because when it wins it makes it that much sweeter and you've learned something and you're going to carry that to the next field the next time you hunt one of the one of the biggest mistakes that i see a lot of guys make and kelly powers is a huge advocate of this is basically being like mike tyson sitting back and picking your punches and making sure your punches count and to the to max effectiveness he's very very reserved and that's kind of kind of how a lot of us got to where we are when it comes to calling is because of how reserved we are when we're calling out in the field because man if you're sitting there giving them everything while they're circling 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 what else are you going to give them it's elevator music or what did you learn when it didn't work yeah because you're doing the same thing over and over if you're if those ducks are if you're say you're hunting a crosswind situation or you're or geese ducks whatever if you're if those ducks are swinging upwind and you're still feed chatter on them what are you going to give them whenever they swing downwind you know or, or you can't give them or to finish them right they've already heard that it's all elevator music and you're not you're sitting there throwing jabs after jab after jab after jab versus being like mike tyson and making sure that counts right whenever they swing downwind that's whenever you get them that hard chatter right or you know a couple double clucks or a hiccup or anything like that that's when you need to make it count right it's brooke taught me a huge one when it comes to specs is you wait till they pass and you stay i mean quiet and then you hit them with as much cluck, as many clucks as you possibly can. Climb the ladder of clucks right back down, and it, man, it's it's wild. They just whoop right. Well, telling themselves right too, and if yeah. if you wait and you're patient on the front end, and I can, I mean, any waterfowl is that way. If if it takes less to get their attention, yeah. and you're sitting you're sitting there knowing, man, I've still got fifty percent of what I'm capable of. There's a good chance we're gonna, if even if these birds want to swing on us four or five times. 
I've still got some cards to play. And, I mean, I call it the shock and all, right? You know, whatever spec flies over from the back. You know, they're low, they're coming. They get out, and you break them with as little as possible. And then they turn inside out, and it's just like, uh-oh, here we go. Yep, these are contenders. It's going to happen. And I think Kyle's, you know, hit the nail on the head with that one. It's, it's throwing jabs strategically and then keeping that haymaker in your pocket, and it's the knockout, and that's – that's feet down, and that, that's what we live for. It really is. Seventy-five tree, tree, uh, tree top. That's 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 it. <laughs> <laughs> we do we do it with Canada's too. Uh, too. I mean, let 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 be quiet, be quiet, be quiet, be yeah. quiet. Okay, hit him. La, 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 la. They just. Yeah, we. Oh, oh. It's not. It's not exactly a. It's a. Yeah, it's a slow turn. It's like a seven forty-seven approaching <laughs> Chicago here. You know, it's just. Oh, it's time. We call that uh, we're gonna like land a, a nobody's home. The nobody's home method with Canada's. I mean, that's like you've got your decoy spread, your hide's good. You know that if you're hunting an X field or or not an X field. I'm sorry. Uh, if you're hunting a traffic field that you're under the birds with, we'll let those birds fly over us, and then you hit them right after, and they're like, "Oh crap, those birds are talking smack." Let's go down there and whoop up on them, yeah. you know? Or it's like, we miss something. We yeah. better go hurry up and exactly. get there to where we can see what's going on. It, it, and let me tell you, it works. Yeah. It, it, it's, yes. it's cool. When it works, it's the best way to call them. When it yeah. doesn't work, then you know the next flock that flies over, we better call on the approach. I mean, yeah. that's learning something. Yeah. yeah, and every day you learn. First flock, we're going to learn a lot from the first flock. How many times have you heard that? Every morning you sit there, we're going to learn a lot from this first flock, guys. Man, they didn't come in. What do we need to do? Okay, we're going to do this now. We're Turn the spinners off, move the decoys, brush your blinds, and then the next group comes <laughs> down, feet, feet down, no calling. You know okay, it. great. You know what? That's why we do it, though. One, one thing I always try to stress, and you guys may know this, uh, when it comes to goose calling, can, especially Canada's in a field, uh, you are not calling those geese to come hang out. You're not calling. You're not trying to coax them to come hang out and have a party like a lot of like ducks are. Geese are extremely aggressive when it comes to their feeding habits and their zones. Their their mates, man, they're they're trying to keep geese away. They're telling say you know you'll hear geese in the field landing on a pond whatever. They're not saying hey come hang out come hang out. They're like no dude back up this is my spot. So it's a it's kind of like a reverse psychology. Uh, play that you're having on these these Canada's while out hunting is you're really not trying to be like hey you know let's have a party come on come hang out (laughs) yeah Uh, we've got seven dozen of your buddies here Uh, it's like hey this is my spot this is my food this is my zone you need to back up and that's what's convincing those geese to come in here so I always try to explain that one to guys and they're like either like dude that's the wildest crap i've ever heard but then you watch geese in a park or anything like that or out in the field and it's you'll see it i mean it's it's very apparent i just got a field of snow geese right i mean all the noise they're making that's because they're number one it's feeding noise they're happy they're eating they're hungry whatever and all the other 90 percent of the noise you hear is them yelling at each other this is my food leave me alone don't nip my tail feather get out get out of my way i mean that's the sound you hear geese make is typically aggression and I want you to get away from me or leave me alone. I'm happy doing what I'm doing. Don't come in my circle. What are specs? What are they saying? 
Give me more gumbo. Yeah. <laughs> Where that at? Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. I need some rice. I don't know. Maybe that's why they taste so good, though. <laughs> that gumbo we had for lunch today was pretty good. Oh, man. <laughs> yep. I that can't was... take credit for it. I didn't cook it. Stuff authentic, though. It, definitely authentic. It, uh, it, it's, it's from Louisiana, so it's pretty good. Came in, came in. I don't even know what that pot's called. Uh, it's a Magnolite pot. No. Whatever. That, now, yeah. the pot's mine. It was the great. gumbo, it's not mine. It was so, phenomenal. Yeah, Spicy. It, had a ton of kick, but it was great. It makes sitting out um, watching ducks all day long and, and not shooting very many a lot easier to swallow after you've uh, you've eaten a big bowl of gumbo for lunch. So. And I think that's why Bo came back, too. <laughs> I say lunch, dinner. First dinner. First dinner. Second, second dinner. Supper. Are you a hobbit? Oh. <laughs> yes. <sighs> I do yep. identify as a hobbit, yes. <laughs> He's our hobbit. It's so all right. What's the next scenario we're going to talk about? We've talked about the X. We've talked about traffic. We've talked about traffic, and I think uh, we've covered quite a bit of traffic. I do like the – do you think it's the, you do the first time, your first encounter with birds in traffic, do you do the nobody's home? It, it really depends because if you're if – you're, say you're in a field where you your lines of geese are crossing, say, you know – 700,000, 1,500, 2,000 yards in front of you, you don't want to have that because you're just going to sit there and watch them. Yeah, yeah. You know, but if they're if you're under the field, if you can get under the flight path, absolutely. That is my that is my go-to. That's my – Let the decoys you know, work for you. Yes. It's the easiest way to do it. I mean, yeah. Minimal yeah. effort. Yep, yeah. absolutely. And if obviously that first – like what we just talked, if that first group, say you've got seven, eight groups that are coming. If that first group doesn't like it, then I might try something else, that second one or the third one, because I don't want to sit there and bird watch all day, you know, but it's, that's a, that's my, the, the nobody's home is my go-to because it's like, Oh crap. You know, we realize that there's geese flying over us that are, you know, back up. This is our, this is our zone. And then that creates that, uh, that situation of aggression, uh, with those candidates. Yeah. I like that a lot. Um, now we want to probably go into loaf and maybe uh, a loaf that's an X and a loaf that's not maybe in traffic we'll kind of break we'll split those up so I mean what's your favorite we'll go over I mean your goose decoys your favorite setup on water for geese which I love hunting water oh it's so fun Canada Canada's over water in my opinion there's really not a lot of things that can top that you know Maybe a turkey gobbling in the spring is going to be my... You ever been spec hunting? <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, the no. I, I try to... Uh, my favorite scenario is, we talked about it earlier in the blind, is, you know, you give me uh, a small open patch of water. You got uh, sleeper shells all around that edge on the ice. You've got full bodies. You've got floaters. That's my all-time favorite scenario because that looks – you can make that hole look stacked. I mean, you can make it look black, and it's just great whether it's an X or traffic field. Now, whenever – if, say, in that situation, uh, your traffic, you want to – obviously, you were say, taking the same thing as in the field as we are – to that loaf or to that pond is that you want to make it look like a big black hole and you can make it look really good in a snow situation if it's obviously as it's not snowy if it's warm or anything like that uh i really try to go uh more uh volume when it comes to uh your decoy spread whether it's floaters full bodies anything like that but 
when it when it go ahead it's got a good opportunity to put out a lot of decoys and that if it is duck season you better watch out you put that many goose decoys out over water mm-hmm. you're about to smoke them yeah. for the most part if there's bird ducks using that pond for the for, <laughs> for the for the time of year that we're in right now uh you know january there's a lot of seasons that are already getting into into late goose season uh it's going to start getting into their uh you know in a few weeks but some states are experiencing ice a lot are experiencing just cold weather and open water and you know in a in a traffic style situation that nobody's home method if you can get under them on a loaf pond is way, way more effective on, on a loaf or a pond, in my opinion, that I've seen just from my personal experience. It's way more effective. Um, yeah, I can't tell you how many times you've been not even paying attention. You look up and there's birds already kept up coming in. Mm-hmm. That whole nobody's home, is that's a perfect example of that. You're not paying attention and you look up and you hear them moaning coming in and you're like, well, you don't I really guess we're going to do, do this. a whole lot. In the, when they're, if they've already been in that that pond and they see that many decoys, oh, man. Yeah, yeah. That's that's everyone's I need to hunt of geese, so yes. I don't have to call. So that's yeah. great. I can get a lot of decoys <laughs> and find a, find a pond. That's good. That's good mm-hmm. news. Thanks, guys. No, <laughs> a lot. A, a loaf. And that's something that we, you know, West Kentucky back in the day was the the bee's knees when it came to Canada goose hunting. Just, you know, historical. Southern Illinois, Western Kentucky, Tim Ground's huge influence on this entire area. Um, and now we don't have the goose migration routes and patterns that we did, but we have a lot of locals that hit up loaf ponds. And, you know, we'll a lot of times like you just said we don't have to call a lot you know you can throw out if you're if you're hunting a loaf that there's geese already going on an x man you throw out eight floaters four goose floaters make sure your hide's good and you're going to be shooting quite a few geese um i think last year we went into a hunt there was 55 60 geese on this pond and we shot 15 of them within you know 15 minutes and it was we had four goose floaters out and two goose shells and that was that was it you know you can stay relatively small uh it makes it easier to pick up pack in whatever you need to do um but whenever you're getting in that traffic situation that's whenever you need to just revert right back to what you're doing with the uh field traffics is just looking big make a big black hole uh and just may might need to get a little bit uh more aggressive with that goose call yeah, hide's good. Yes. Lots of decoys. Um, so, yeah, versus on the X, you kind of talked about how you, you can use very minimal. Um, some, I would maybe say very realistic yep. as much. Make, well, hide yeah. good, obviously, that's first, like you said. Um, make I would make it very realistic but very minimal. You don't think you need to add much. You don't need to bring eight dozen decoys to a, a pond that's, you know, yeah, an kiss. X. Keep yeah. it simple, stupid. Yeah. Yep. You're messing more up. Absolutely. Doing too much. Yeah. 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 I, I, I run like usually like a two dozen is usually what I'm running in two dozen honker decoys. Then on the bank, like you said, a few sleeper shells I, if they're I, using it. I will say with a calling type scenario, when you're on an X with a loaf, if you're not, you know, con- having a conversation with the geese already clucks moans whatever if they are nine times out of ten if you have to call aggressively with geese that are on a loaf pond it's to keep their attention on the decoys it's not to 
pull them off or you know uh get their attention keep it you're you're right exactly where they want to be but if your pond is 100 yards wide you know they might go in at the other end so 90 percent of that time whenever you call and call aggressively in an x style loaf pond it's going to be to make sure that they're focusing and keeping that attention on the decoy spread and finishing in your hole that's the hard part too they will they'll land oh yeah every every time just at just outside the decoys you know you know and they like to swim in yeah just just keep them keep them up just and use the same method there that you did talked about earlier when you're hunting the x and you're trying to get them back up to get them closer to you yes a lot of times though when i'm on a pond i won't have a flag there to pop them with because i want to keep the attention off my hide um a lot of times where um if i'm most of the time i'm trying to lay in a, a layout blind or have a frames whatever um you know you can get away with a little bit of a flag in a field whereas with a with a pond man it's kind of your your energy is kind of centered up especially with a small spread or your 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 the visual of those geese uh it is centered on a much smaller microscope than what it is out in a field where you're running big, wide, uh, you know, good size decoy spreads. So, yeah. Where are you setting up in relation to your decoys? Um, in all honesty, I love having goose or geese finish. You know, I, I like having the, the wind at my back, but a lot of times on those, uh, on those, loaf ponds i do like to crosswind them uh because it just they aren't looking into your face exactly the whole time and it, obviously you know if the wind's at your back and the sun's rising up at your back or setting that's like golden because man those you can stand up you can load your gun and those geese still aren't going to see you you know you could you could step outside the blind and you, those geese aren't going to see you um but a lot of times i think especially with the bigger bodies that the geese have it's with the over water it's a, it's a lot easier to shoot them past shooting on on the, or not past shooting i'm sorry uh cross winding them uh on those on those low style sh- shoots well, yeah, yeah they set up on a pond you see them from about 150 you know they just lock up completely and they're looking the whole way down you know if you're on the side like this and they're looking at the decoys in front of you they can just come down like this mm-hmm. without you know picking you out is easy you know you get a lot of cloudy days this time of year too so yeah you, you're gonna get picked apart yeah yeah absolutely you know i honestly i do like a cloudy day for a canada goose hunt yeah. but I, I i'm from the west coast so i like cloudy days you way get a more lot of cloudy days. days yeah yeah I, I come out here i'm like what the what's the sun it's really come wild on, though <laughs> how how different ducks versus geese are when it comes to clouds and cold man like man we when I, when I lived in Michigan if we woke up in the morning and it was clear and 20 degrees I'm like well, I'm going back to bed if I was going to go goose hunting or or colder I'm like Psh, I'll be out there I'll be setting up at noon you know wait until the afternoon flight cuz I know those uh, those geese are going to sit there for a while but if it were cloudy, I'm like, all right, let's get, should be kind of like be our solid. goose hunt this year in Michigan. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that was cool. That was fun. Yeah. So if you're on the X, you're on a loaf, um, and you see birds coming towards you. So you're on the X, they're going there already. Yep. What notes, if any, um, what are you doing on the goose call? 
Um, a lot of it is it's, it gets a little redundant with the notes just because of, I mean, it, it's just like what we talked about earlier. I'll try to go and just do my clucks, right? Just single clucks. Just keep their attention on those few decoys that you've got out. Uh, keep their attention on the decoy spread. Uh, but, you know, a lot of times I'll actually do more moans than I will uh, clucks or anything like that. So a moan is this here. And maybe add a cluck into it, which is technically that's be a, a... That's a water deal, too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you hear geese going in to the water. Uh, if if it's in in the springtime, they're going to be making a completely different set of notes. But in the fall, all you're hearing whenever they're going back to water is. Or. So I just try to keep it with just the moans, match what they're doing. They're going to be moaning, coming in. I'm going to be you'll, doing, you'll the, hear them. doing the same exact thing. Yeah, they love it when you give it back to them. Yeah. Exactly what, you're, what they're giving you. Yeah. yeah. Is there? I, I mean, we didn't talk about this in the last part. Is there any notes that you avoid on water over field? I just, I, I don't really avoid any notes. Uh, I really am careful with my how open my hands are, though, because you can get a ton of echo. Uh, and reverb off that water so i try to tend to close my hands a little bit more um, or even just switch my hand position to where my hand is in front of the exhaust of the goose call so that way i'm not just blown i mean you you go i could talk to aaron if he were 100 yards across the corn i and we were sitting there shouting at each other we could we could talk especially if they're downwind i mean they're they're getting blasted in the face if i'm extremely if i'm you know if i'm calling like i would out in a field you know so i try to try to change it up to where it's <laughs> that's my favorite sound and you, <laughs> for a candy set they they just love that yeah so, <laughs> so do you yeah, yeah i <laughs> Hey, hey, man, I'm telling you, if I was a Canada goose, I'd be dead in about <laughs> two days. <laughs> what are you guys talking? What'd you say to me? <laughs> I, um, I know you didn't just moan at me. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, just, just be, I'd be mindful, uh, you know, body language, paying attention to the body language first, but be mindful of the volume at which you're calling as well. Yeah, we've talked about it in a past podcast sometimes about when Screaming calling, them, yeah. you kind of give them just enough so they can hear you. Like you kind of, that's how you measure like how loud you are. Get, give them just enough so they Come can hear you. For you. But if they're close, don't be yelling at them like if they're 500 yards away. But if they're 500 yards away, you know, you can give them what you feel like is enough to get to them. Yeah. I mean, there there's times where, I've even, so what you can do, especially if, as you learn the vocabulary of a Canada goose and what you can, and what, you know, your comfortability with the Canada goose call, uh, what I've done a lot of times, especially in the small water type situation is I'll actually put my middle finger towards or inside of that insert to just quiet it, to just muffle it even more. So I can still do my notes, but I'm still 
just really muffling it down. That way I can actually, you know, get my, have my gun in one hand and that call in the other. And it, it, it'll sound like, <laughs> and that's all that is, is just putting that middle finger right inside of that, uh, exhaust on your goose call. And moving your hands around a call can change it so much. Mm-hmm. You got to, that's one big thing that a lot of people it'd be good to good to learn. Yeah. Just play with your hands a lot, man. You, you can change up your sound so much by just using your hands. Like even Kyle changed my goose calling completely. He's like, dude, you're blowing it. You're holding it like a spec call for the last ten years. What are you talking about, man? Whatever, dude. Don't don't even go there. And then I, he's like, no, you hold it like this. Oh, that explains why why that sounded like that. Yep. I don't want to talk about it anymore, guys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, happens. Yep. Happens. So if you're hunting, if you got permission, you you know you're, you're chasing birds around, you're trying to get permission on places, and you found a, a piece of water that's in traffic. Mm-hmm. We talked about bring as many decoys as you can, hide yourself really well. Um, are you using? We kind of talked about your favorite is the ice scenario, which you kind of said. I mean, so you have ice. Either you're going out there with a ice blaster ahead of time or if you're going out there with axes and cutting yourself a hole. You know, that type of hunt, you're putting shells, sleeper shells around the ice, and then you're doing full bodies on the ice potentially. And then you're probably doing some full bodies on, on dry land too. Um, maybe throwing no ice just say you know earlier in the season just open water how many i mean what how many floaters compared to full bodies are you running full bodies up on um the sunny side of a bank or something like that you trying to do anything that way or explain maybe that scenario and then we'll go back into the traffic yeah i mean in in my opinion um you can be twice as visible on water than you can in a lot of fields or anything like that so if i can get a few more floaters out on the water uh that or even in a situation where you're say you know it's october you're in a cornfield and there's a low spot and there's water in it you know there's uh, eight inches of water i'll try to go put my full bodies out in that scenario i might not even take any floaters out but i'll put all my full body silos shells whatever in the water to make it look i mean it's it's kind of like a a magnifying glass in a sense is you can the visibility of those the contrast uh, off the water yes is the corn yep is night and day difference versus getting out into the corn uh but you know i will try to run um probably 70 30 as far as 70% full bodies around the edges in, in the water to 30% of, uh, of my floaters. Uh, just because, you know, you can, most guys have more full bodies or silos than they do, uh, your floaters. Um, so that's, that's generally what I try to do. Gotcha. So then running traffic, um, and you said some of the same thing with uh, nobody's home. If they're flying over you, just stay quiet and hit them as they pass. Uh, but let's go after they're not really flying over you. What are you calling? Are you calling the same style as you are in the field? Um, are you not flagging? Are you flagging kind of thing? Is this over water? Or they just this is this is over water. Yep. I I I my tactic. I'm pretty loud when I when I yeah. I'm pretty crazy when I when I know that they're not coming my way. I'm like. 
let's get on them, boys. Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. I'll I'll tend to and if you listen to the geese, uh, not not while hunting, but if say you're in a scenario where you can go drive down the road and listen to geese out in the field versus geese on the water, I'll try to. Uh, I've found that if I can give them more of a of a hiccup no of a hiccup note first just to kind of get their attention and then get into the clucks i think that sounds more realistic versus just giving them all clucks and i'll, I'll kind of give it i'll kind of give you an example like a what i mean by like a, a hiccup sequence it's, it's gonna be loud but here it is <laughs> exactly it and and in my opinion that sounds a little bit more realistic as what you'd hear out in a field or out in in a water say you drove by a slough or something like that that's that's 10 times more realistic especially over water uh than it is to just hit them with a you know it's that first sequence was what i would try to do first in a in a water type x situation whereas the second sequence is man that's that's what i'm doing whenever i'm out there waving that flag around running through the decoys um and then you know i'll back off but i'll try to try to get them with loud aggressive calling that's more realistic and to we're still stri- trying to strike a chord with them too you know yeah. we run through everything and trying to strike that one chord you know yeah. we go through we try that and we try this try, and if it's you know Eventually, you'll, you'll find something they like, but usually that, like Kyle said, that first, they just, they on the water, they just freaking love that. That's an, an extremely aggressive note for geese is just that and a, a spit note and, and just overall, that's that's two geese right there. One's moaning, one's clucking, and they're, that's that's a pair, you know, and they're like, hey, you know, like what we talked about earlier, this is my spot, this is my zone, right? This is my area of water. You need to back off. So it gives that illusion to the geese that, okay, there's something there, you know, that's a safe spot, you know, that we need to, we need to get there. Yeah. Any other scenarios you can think of? I'm trying to go through my head to think of any other. What about, what about like duck season? You know, I'm thinking about goose season. You know, like ducks, <laughs> hunting ducks and geese at the same time. How do you put your decoys out accordingly for that? Do you just run goose floaters for them? Do you run some duck decoys? What do you guys just, I mean, well, does that sound good to talk about? To oh, you yeah. Y'all? Oh, yeah. You know. Um, I think I know what the answer is, but. Yeah. Kyle, uh, what would you do? Okay, so it's, you got ducks and geese, and you got water. Yeah. Go. Well, uh, first off, I am a, I'm not a huge fan of spinners. Uh, so I'll try not to use a spinner whenever I'm in the case of uh, hunting geese. But if there's a lot of ducks using the area and I've got a remote, that's the only time I'll use it. Uh, but, man, the, the best duck decoy is your goose decoys. And, and I will pound that till, like, till the cows come home because it is just you're, you're, you've got a black hole of decoys. The, obviously the geese are, you know, they're more aware of their surroundings than ducks are, uh, so it's a little bit safer. But I'm if if I'm in a water scenario, I might run a few uh, a few 
feel or feel water mallards just to just to say hey you know there there are ducks here but i actually try to keep them in a crosswind situation uh like we were talking about earlier i try to keep them on the far upwind side because you know from what i've experienced and what i've always been told is geese aren't gonna associate themselves with the ducks the ducks don't care but the geese aren't going to cross those ducks when it comes to landing, you know, and that's the same. I'll take that and I'll run it with ducks. Now in a field, uh, I won't run. Usually I won't run mallard, full body mallards out in a goose spread unless, you know, some guys like all gung ho for it. Cause A, it's more to pick up. B it's, you know, they're not going to see the ducks versus seeing the geese because the best, duck decoy is a goose decoy uh in that situation i always found running a spinner in a dry field is a game changer i mean i just said i don't like spinners but in a field they're they're your saving grace you know as far as ducks go on yours right here i i put mine i always put mine i always see we we would get big spins of mallards and they always would circle circle closer circle closer circle closer well Whenever they're circling, sitting there tornadoing down, if your spinners are out there 30 yards, well, that makes them at 55, 60 yards, and then a little bit closer, and then a little bit closer, and then a little bit closer. I always would start with my spinners right behind my blinds because, A, if geese come, I can turn them off really quickly. But then, B, when they're spinning down and those ducks are starting to tornado down they're that's meaning they're that much closer right so they're already you know they're already within working distance within a few passes right versus sitting there watching the tornado for five six minutes whereas here within 45 seconds man they're already you're already getting ready to call a shot two things i observed today that kind of go along with what we're just talking about one we had mallards coming in and we shot them over spec floaters so that's a fact. That happened today. And then the first group of mallards we shot, when they died, they fell right next to the pulsators. Yes. So, I mean, the motion. Yep. So that's yep. two things right there, right out of the gate. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a crazy thing. You know, a, a very common one in, in my life and my, my past has been combo hunting ducks and specks. I mean, that's just Arkansas, Louisiana. That's what's there. That's what you're hunting. And uh, just like Kyle said, ducks respond very well to goose decoys whether they're specks or snows or canadas whatever it may be ducks love goose decoys because they know why they're there it's food water or safety ducks understand that that's a confidence deal for them i truly believe that i'm the same way with kyle and specks it's put my ducks up when i don't necessarily think the geese will you know bug out of a duck full body duck decoy or floater duck decoy at 120 yards but I don't want them finishing over my duck decoys. I want them upwind. I want those geese finishing over goose decoys. Whether that's reality or not, that's what I believe. It's a confidence deal. I think we can all agree on that. Geese finish better by goose decoys. Ducks finish very well over goose decoys as well as duck decoys. But I agree with Kyle. Uh, best duck decoy a lot of times is, especially late season, great, great goose decoy spread is going to attract ducks, period. Yep, yep. I think going to the motion thing, man, with what you saw this morning, like that's that's a a daily occurrence that I see with those pulsators, man. Is like, yeah, the the spinners are they're great. Uh, there's a time and a place for them. Personally, uh, a spinner with a timer 
or a timing sequence on it is way more effective than a spinner that's straight going, you know, going continuous. But man, anytime you go watch live ducks anywhere, it's water motion. You always see ripple. You always see sparkle in the water, right? Uh, and then you might have the, the duck flashing its wings and that's where that spinner comes in with the timer on it. But whenever it's, whenever it comes down to it, the only time, so this, this will go into two things. So you get calm water with a lot of ducks on it. What's wrong? There's some, there's something wrong. Like if you pull up too close to a pond, what happens? All those ducks heads go right up. Right. So anytime you can create ripple or any water movement, whether it's a goose decoy spread or a duck decoy spread, that is the, that is a really big ticket for a lot of guys with finishing ducks, finishing geese. And correct me if I'm wrong, for specs, I've never seen a speck flare or bump off of water motion. I've seen them do it over spinners. That's just the goose mentality. I I truly feel like hunters have trained geese to be that way. A goose flies over at 60 yards in most places, and there's a spinner out in the field, and it gets shot at and lives. It's never going to want to go by a spinner again. But um, geese are not scared of water motion, in my opinion. And and I haven't seen a Canada goose scared of a pulsator or any water motion decoy. Or a spec. I think it helps, you know. Yeah, for sure. So how much? I, 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 since I'm not, I don't, I don't get to use water motion like, like pulsators and stuff in Washington for geese. Like, do how much does it does it help a whole lot with geese? Like, I, I that's a legitimate question. You know, how much does it help with with geese? I know it's, a, I obviously I see it with ducks all the time. I love it, but specs love it. Like a pulsator. Yeah. Like, uh, a pulsator among floater specs or even full body specs that are in standing water mm-hmm. in my opinion it's it's realistic yeah. i mean it yeah. can't it can't hurt in my opinion it's a visibility aspect it's not so flamboyant that it's going to flare bird yeah. i can't speak on behalf of canada geese I haven't hunted them enough with with the canadas uh it, like what we just talked about you're getting ripple so that creates that realistic mm-hmm. effect but at the same time with the the canada goose pulsator and like in general Man, that thing is like a big white flag, yeah. so they can see it from a far distance. That's what so. I was about to talk about. Butt yeah. ups in general. I mean, Higdon makes just a standard butt up or the pulsator, which is a butt up with a bilge pump under it, and it shoots water and it moves around and creates ripples. It splashes water, all that, all the above. But it's also a big white yeah, flag. Canada. You can see that thing for miles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just so happens to look like a speck of black feet. Yeah, so it's that way too. Respect, Fred. Um. But I mean, and the, the Canada swimmer too. I mean, that's as natural as it gets, yep. and that's what they exactly do. But the the butt up pulsator with that white that white rear end, man, that thing just shines, and it's a huge attention grabber for helping them finish and for spotting them if you're running and that, traffic. And goose water motion is going to help put more ducks on the table if you're combo hunting them. You put, oh yeah, you know, you put whether it's duck water motion or goose water motion. If your focus is on geese and there's a potential for a combo hunt of ducks as well, using that field or that pond. You have goose water motion and don't want to run a spinner. It's a great way to finish birds is goose water motion because ducks eat it up. You know, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a it's great just, way. It's to just bigger it. too. Yeah. It's, it's just a bigger motion. Yeah, it's it's great. It really is. That's pretty cool for ducks. I can't speak on Canada's ducks specs. Love water motion. My opinion, Canada geese apparently they like it too. Look awesome. Yeah. So let me just throw a. I'll just throw a wrench in there. We kind of we didn't really exactly experience this today, but uh, you got ducks and geese around you at one time. What are you calling? What's the game plan there? Do you, 
do you, do you? I know. I know what they're calling at. I know what I'm calling at. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. We were hunting specks and ducks. Kyle didn't have a speck. I think he was calling at. No. And then whenever we're Canada goose hunting, and there's ducks around too, I know what I'm calling at, and it's yeah. not a Canada goose. Um, so it's. But it's to fair. be to be fair, I'll. I will say if there's if we're hunting a Canada goose field and there's ducks flying around and there's geese flying around, I'm picking the ducks first, and that's just because you it's know, usually early in the morning you only get a few shots at them. Yeah, yeah, but you know where where I used to live, it's we, you know, I used to live in Michigan, and they have I knew that on any day if I couldn't go hunt ducks or shoot ducks, I knew I could go try to at least get some geese you know that was just a given uh because of the, they have phenomenal goose hunting up there and the ducks was okay but i'm not going to pass up the opportunity to shoot ducks whenever there's geese flying around because i knew that i can hunt those geese from september till you know second week of february uh versus your ducks is you're you done know, the, the geese might come back to there i want to <laughs> ask a question i'll preface it with my personal opinion on specs if I'm spec hunting or duck hunting and there's ducks and specs working, I've got a much better chance of finishing the ducks with a spec call than I do the specs with a duck call. Specs, in my opinion, absolutely hate duck calls. They fly the other way most of the time when you blow a duck call at them. Is that the same way as can of geese? If, you, if you're calling can of geese, there's geese working, will you, know, will you allow or do you suggest people blowing a duck call while there's can of geese working you? I haven't really... Um experienced any birds not like flaring i haven't experienced any flaring or anything like that whenever somebody's duck calling with canada's i mean there's been a lot of times where we'll be working ducks because there's geese well you know we'll choose ducks uh versus geese but then we'll be like all right well the geese are landing you know or the geese landed like we need to we need to shoot these shoot these geese versus these maybe ducks. a cut down call could scare them <laughs> Maybe yeah, so we'll start yelling at them a little like, too much. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think if you you know you're standing in a rice field in Arkansas and specs over 100 yards and you blew a duck call at any capacity at the spec would it flare? But there's definitely a a nervous disinterest form of body language that comes from these birds. I mean, all the time. I mean, hunting combo hunting specs and and ducks in a lot of situations for most of my life. If we're working specs and there's ducks flying around. And somebody blows a duck call, it is like, please stop that because you are going the opposite direction of what I'm trying to do in my spec call. Um, and that's really how I feel about it. So um, that's my opinion. I was just curious to know that I'm glad Canada geese don't mind because I keep blowing my duck call whenever I hunt Canada's <laughs> Kyle and Bo. Yeah. And not have to worry about anything getting thrown at me. Okay. Well, so the TV magically came on. Hey, guys. Yeah. It's available at Walmart. It is. Excellent. Well, we're rolling up on an hour and a half, and we've got ribeyes. Oh, my. And Buddha. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. So I'm, I just was really, became really hungry. Before we, before we wrap this up here, Kyle, I mean, we talked about a lot of notes and a lot of different scenarios about hunting these geese. Where, do you, where would you send somebody to learn all these notes or to really advance and get themselves more and more advanced in these type of, of, of calls? Man, there's, well, first and foremost, when it comes to picking a call, uh, this is always important. You know, you can go and buy, you know, a $30, $50 goose call to start out with. That's perfectly fine. But um, 
to when it comes to picking out you know a premium goose call i really really recommend going to a store uh, like a store like rogers uh they have an entire counter to uh to try all these calls out i work for a call company i want to sell as many of these calls as i possibly can but i understand that aaron or chandler their style of calling might not fit my style so if you can don't be embarrassed go try out all the calls the at every single one put them all put them all on the counter and try every single one because you need to find the call that's going to that's going to fit you you're going to be hunting with it quite a bit you're going to be putting a lot of money into the call you want to make sure that it's the one that fits you versus what somebody says on facebook is the best one to go try your buddies too you know your buddies like man i really like this call you know hey do you mind if i use your call and then maybe clean it afterwards yeah try please clean your calls people (laughs) but try try one out uh and and then go from there there's a lot of great dvds that you can take home uh scott trinan makes a great dvd as far as like bad grammar bad grammar academy sean sean stall is who i got my you know most of my canada goose calling uh basics from um and i think i can't i think it's honker talk was it was a it was an old cd uh <laughs> you could just put it in your truck or anything like that uh and then you know fred zinc has another one uh it's the 24 7 uh basics to canada goose calling or even you know come to these events like the waterfowl days like please come if you're in the area you're going to have plenty of guys that can run a call proficiently that honestly are other they're they're hunters just like you they're if you come up and ask them for help on a call how to do a note i love helping people out because like there's nothing you know there's nothing that stands out to me more than somebody that's trying to perfect their craft on what they do and as hunters i mean if we can continue to perfect our craft and, and what we do that that's just that's going to make us a w- more well-rounded outdoorsman right so come to these events like the goose calling and and watch the goose calling contest because you can see you know they're they're not technically doing what you're going to be doing on in a hunting scenario but they're showing what you can do on a call really is what you can what a guy can your your goose call that you just paid 150 bucks for inside of rogers that guy is making all those notes on that call right so it's it's a lot of okay that's showing the functionality of the call and the caller, right? And then you can go talk to that guy and say, hey, man, like, I noticed, like, you really did some cool notes. Like, how do you do those? Or how do you get better? Man, that's that's the best way because that's one-on-one help uh, from a guy versus listening and trying to understand what he's saying ver- over a CD or an audio. And he can grab your hand, move it. He can, you know, tell you, hey – flex your diaphragm or flex your abdominal muscles whenever you're pushing and exhaling and that will help with creating more power stuff like that you can't get Uh, 20 minutes well will be 10 years worth of absolutely i can you know know, there's countless number of times where i've gotten help from a field hudnall a kelly powers a fred zinc those guys sean everybody there's there's a ton of guys out there that have helped me more in a short amount of time at these style of events in in a in 10 minutes than a, a cd or audio and then hearing be. them in person is a big deal too exactly just hearing them in person just yeah hear what it's supposed to sound like I'll, I'll say one of my favorite sounds any caller can make is a field hudnall 
cluck. And I don't know what it is. It's just a voice inflection with it. It just sounds it just sounds goosey it's i don't know what it is so i always you know that was one of the first things whenever i started you know asking guys for help at these events was how how are you doing that and that's a a question that i get all the time brooke gets it bo gets it all the time when it comes to calling how are you doing that note and you can look the guy in the eye and tell him exactly how to do it and, and that's that's huge and that can help so many guys long so run. many people scared to ask for help or, yes here's the reality of it you know there's yes you know there's a lot of world champions yes there's proficient callers yes there's great hunters the only difference between us and those people and the guy that bought his first goose call at rogers today is time and effort so i mean for num- number one me kyle and Bo never assume we're the best callers and there's nothing else to learn i think that's mistake number one a lot of people make in perfecting their craft number two it's thinking, oh, I'll never be that good, or I'm scared to ask for help. I mean, when, if you want to become a better caller, ask for help. Realize that you're capable of doing it, and go to a show like Rogers and Waterfowl Weekend. Do not be afraid to it. call. Yeah. Yes. Do, do not be, do afraid, not be afraid, to call. afraid to call. Yeah, it, you had nothing to prove to anybody. I mean, it, we all were there, you know, we all, a few we years all sound, ago. We yeah. sound bad yeah. at some point, you know. Yeah. you got to yeah. sound yeah. bad, but then you're going to slowly get better and better and better. And you're only... Rome wasn't built in a day. Buck Gardner used to tell me this all the time. Brooke, Rome wasn't built in a day, but if they had a bulldozer, it would happen a lot quicker. Go find a bulldozer and ask him how to do it. I mean, yeah. go find somebody who's setting an example of a sound you want to make. Just go ask them for help. All they can do is tell you no, and no one will tell you no. We're all just duck hunters, and we mm-hmm. want to help you. We're goose hunters. You know, and really, when it comes to picking a call, like we talked about a little bit earlier, going out and trying them, that's some of the best times to go try out a call because that guy can tune that call to fit you personally versus buying a call that's just you know boxed up ready to go to how we tune them for everybody really it's customized for you it's built and fit for you so that can help when it comes to learning how to call seeing a guy tune your call for you and kind of learning how to do that as well it just play it's huge and i mean of course you know everybody here at the table of kyle bow myself we all work for power calls, so we, we want you to buy power calls. But the reality of it is the best call for any one person is the one that is tuned for them and fits them. So whether it, no matter what brand is on the call, go to go meet these people. Go try every call at a place like Rogers where there's a counter full of calls. Try them all. Find the one that fits you best. And if you still can't find one, ask the guy who made the call, can you please tune this so it's a little bit easier for me. That's the best duck call or goose call or spec call in the world for you is the one that fits you. That's why there's a counter full of yeah, them. Yeah, it's super, it's super important. And, and, uh, and young people, older people, anybody getting into calling and wanting to become a better caller, find the call that does what you want it to do and, and is capable of what you want to do. And things come together a lot quicker. Yeah, I used to, I used to sell a lot of goose calls. Um, I was at the, at the Red Rogers store and, um, I knew my case, and when someone was completely new to it, I would grab. I'd, the prices would probably be similar, but the there it, the choices I'd grab are all off the off the wall. I, you know, there'd be zinc, there'd be grounds, there'd be um, bolt gear, the power calls, all these different options. And I knew I would start. He would go go and pick maybe the the flashiest looking one or his favorite looking one first, and then I could tell by. But what he would, what notes he was making, what he was calling, where to go from there, because I knew all the calls. So a staff 
like at Rogers, and I know there's guys there doing it now, will know you pick up a call and you say, I didn't like that one. They're going to know probably by how you sounded yep. where to take you next. Absolutely. Um, because we deal with it. We hear it. We know all these calls and what they what their tendencies are. I knew exactly what call. When a guy came up and he really was having struggle – really was struggling with some diaphragm pressure or some power I knew which way to take him um, to help him be more successful because I, I the first thing I didn't want was a guy to get a goose call a short read and he could never make it make the right note and then he would get discouraged and then that was just 150 dollars he'd never touch again so I mean going to a store like that's huge yes I, I that's that literally I c- could copy and paste that comment on Facebook a hundred times a day because there's guys that I understand not everybody has that opportunity. Um, but man, guys need to need to go there, go to the store and try out the calls. And it's a shotgun question, right? What's yeah. the best shotgun for me? Uh, yeah. I don't know. I'm not you. What yeah. you need to do is, is shoot as many of them as you possibly can and find the one that you have confidence in. And that does what you want to do. And that's the, that's the key to success. But you get around, the professionals and the individuals that are, are very advanced in their skill set, like Waterfowl Weekend and you know, the people who tune these calls and make these calls and blow in these contests, they can cater to you and help you out. And, and no one's going to lie to you and say, don't buy that one. This is the best one. It's, man, this this call is going to fit you really well. Let me, let me help you learn how to make these notes and all the notes that Kyle was just talking about. I've seen Kyle and, and several others in this industry that make other brand calls teach young people, teach old people these notes and then you see it on Facebook, you know, so-and-so taught me this at, at this show on this date, and I use it this season, and, man, look at the success. That's what drives folks like Kyle Bow and I. We want people to be successful, so please do yourself justice. Find a call. Seek help from professionals. It's such a good, uh, such a good resource that people like Rogers offer. It's, it really is. You're doing yourself a disservice if you don't try to at least get help and attend these events and help yourself. It's, it's very simple. Yeah. So Kyle, um, what are the, what are, what is the power calls you've been blowing for your two wins? Uh, two world wins. Yes. So the, the, the two, we designed a call, uh, in 2017, I blew it on stage there and took fourth. Uh, and we came out with it again. Uh, we, we released a call. It's called the frequency, uh, and that particular model, is the frequency AA. It's acrylic with the acrylic tone board. Uh, and that's what I used to win in 2018 and then 2019 as well. What is the call or how many calls do you have in the field? In the field, I have three. three. Uh, I always have, uh, depending, obviously today I didn't have a spec call. So, you know, specs didn't finish. That's just <laughs> no. <laughs> we were a little, we were a little weak on the right side down there in the very end. We're like, oh man, yeah. come on, hit it. Yeah. He's down there on his goose call. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I'll always have three. Uh, I actually, for hunting, uh, I switch between a frequency and a surge. And a surge is actually our more economically friendly. It's a sixty-dollar goose call. Comes with broken and guts uh, for Canada's. And then I'll go with an impulse and a charge and then a whistle. So technically four calls, but I try to keep it down to three to four, uh, one being a whistle. Gotcha. Cool. So the frequency, is it – explain maybe real quick the insert length and the barrel length. Is it it a shorter call? Is it a a mid as far as, you know – 
how yeah. fast does it run? Yeah, that that was kind of one of the whenever we were making this call, uh, we had two already. We had the wavelength, which is a great beginner call, and it's the deep deep goose call. You know, the guy that comes up, I want a deep goose deep sounding goose call. That's what I want. You know, I want that big honker sound. That's a great call to have. It's very easy to learn on, very easy to turn over. Um, and very easy to shape your notes. And then we have the gravity, which is a much shorter call made for running traffic, uh, made for lessers, styles like that. And so whenever I kind of wanted to meet in the middle with the, with the frequency, I wanted a mid-sized call that I could go out and tune uh, if I wanted to hunt lessers and be loud, aggressive, high-pitched, I could do that. If I wanted to keep it in the, you know, the mid-range, to sound like big geese, but have speed, everything at the same time, that's what I wanted. Or if I wanted to tune it heavier and sound it deeper, make it sound deeper, I could. And that's what we kind of got with the frequency. It's, uh, it's got a lot of characteristics from the wavelength as far as being easy to blow, uh, and easy to operate, but it's got a shorter barrel on it. So it does make it, you know, you can get a little bit quicker, you can get faster on it, uh, and you get quicker read response with it as well. It's amazing how how honker you can get it though. I mean, it's it's maybe short, but you can really get some big geese out of it. I was really surprised. I used to I used to blow the surge and the wavelength before this. I think Kyle Kyle and I we were tuning we were tuning frequencies downstairs and and I'm like, oh man, I said this is this got some whoomp to it, and it's like oh, this is going on my linear. <laughs> <laughs> Brooke, I got it, I got it, I got one in my pocket. It's like what? And then I got on a plane. So <laughs> yeah. So, but you know, you can get a wide variety of sounds with that frequency call. Uh, but it, it was designed so, you know, whether you're a competition caller or a hunter, that, that's you can do that. You can you can grab that call and hunt with it no matter where you're at yeah and, and, and honestly it was so popular in the premium series that's why we've made it it's essentially our surge is the version of the frequency it was it was such a favored call as a premium call it's I and mean, what's the best price point call we can offer goose hunters that want to economically price goose call and that's where the surge came from it's a it's the same size uh, very similar guts the uh, insert bores choke down just a fuzz, so it's got a little bit more back pressure, so it's a little bit more user-friendly. But, I mean, it, we played our ace card on giving the best $60 goose call to the world because the frequency was such a great all-around call, and that's really what the surge is. It's it's the it's a great version of the frequency that's available for everybody. So, yeah, that was my, my next and last point. You guys have that $60 surge or that molded call and then you have the acrylic and then even and then i think you guys have a carbon yep so i mean you wood got, and got carbon fiber wood and carbon so you got some some premium some elite some custom more collectible not you know just yeah. really cool stuff and then you have the the go-getter acrylic and then you have the you know the workhorse and then the everyday you know that that molded 60 dollars price point which yeah, is I awesome think, and i think that's what a lot of people miss is is what i hear from other people They're like oh power calls man y'all make 250 dollars calls yeah we do they're carbon fiber and titanium they'll last you a lifetime you can literally run them over with a truck we understand that's not for everybody but we do feel like they're the best calls in the world uh, because of what they're made out of and the designs that they are the, the acrylic calls are just like everybody else's acrylic calls they're just our designs and we, we truly feel like they're superior designs because of what we do of course and that's that's our spin on that our molded calls people miss it they're like oh it's a cheap call our molded calls that we make 
they are born from the designs of our most uh, sought-after premium call. So we're not just making a, you know, sixty-dollar call because it's it's cheap. No, we're making it because we want it available to everybody, and we want them to be able to you know spend fifty, sixty bucks on a duck or goose call or spec call. They're they're born from our calls that are winning world titles and stage and everything. I mean, they're legit. And I'm going to correct that you guys, you know, not necessarily just you guys, but touch a lot, every one of these calls. Every one of them. Yeah. yeah every one. Not a call leaves our building that yeah. one of these three people. So that $60 molded call didn't get, you know, put together in a factory and, no. and stamped. <laughs> believe believe Kyle and I, I promise you it did not get. No, I, I mean, literally every single, I mean, from. Ben and the reeds. O-rings, bending reeds. Cutting. Like, we get help yeah. from a lot of our warehouse associates will help us do a lot of things like put o-rings on calls but when it comes down to tuning them anything that involves a reed the tone board um that call does not leave without one of these three people at this table doing it and then blowing it and then we even put the staple on the package on the six dollar we'll, calls we'll, we'll and we'll we'll set them and we'll leave them and we'll come back and blow them again yeah. and just just to see how much they've changed over a little bit of time and and if we Either so with the goose calls, we actually gave a, a guy a summer job. Right. Uh, so so there's a there's a fourth guy that tunes uh, helps tune goose calls as well. But he's also your two time junior world goose call champion yeah. too. So I mean he's he's a local Paducah kid. So uh, he helps us tune our goose calls, and we got him set up for a great gig on the summertime too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it's legit. I mean they're. People assume these things, right? Because they are oh, mass produced and all this stuff. I mean, and, and really, in the big scheme of things, yeah, they're you know we, we sell a lot of calls, and then we're blessed to be able to do that. But we care about each individual one because we know the people that are buying it demand a good product, and we know what they're going to be using it for. And that's kind of what we did today. We hunted seven hours today. We blew our calls a lot because birds did not want to cooperate, and we we abuse calls. We we run them through the ringer. We're we're asking the most out of our our gear and that's why we want to touch them it's not that we have to it's not that i mean we want to do it because we want people who are buying them we know what they're capable of yeah we want them to we want them to get it for every dollar they spend we want them to get their money's worth and get the best product for that that dollar figure for sure we're proud of it i mean more or less it's we are proud for people to use our calls we want them to be successful yep yep any final thoughts any final thoughts before you guys close there's one little thing i i've wanted to talk about it on some type of public network, right? Other than my own personal social media, right? Uh, it's 2020, okay? We're all outdoorsmen here. Uh, I think, I hope that there's some guys that can get on board with with having this thought process when it comes to hunting, outdoors, social media, everything like that, right? 2020, we can all do a better job of caring less about what guys wear, what decoys they run, what guns they shoot, whatever. We all need to work together when it comes to being outdoorsmen. We need to focus more on getting more kids involved and more kids involved with waterfowl hunting, showing them what we love and our pa- sharing our passions with others versus trying to belittle guys really on the internet and we i see it everywhere and it's just it's incredibly frustrating i see you know there's there's a lot of comments i've seen you guys go and delete because there's i mean there's guys that'll get on there and just rag on somebody but we need to focus more on that i don't want to get on too much of a you know rabbit hole here but focus on that going into 2020 guys and and really try to be better try to get more kids involved get them out you know 
if you've got an open spot in the blind, invite a buddy that's never goose hunted before, whatever. It, 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 it's going to pay off so much, so many dividends later on than we could ever imagine because we want to be hunting. We want to show our kids and grandkids how to hunt. If we don't do that, if we don't band together, we're not going to have that. Yeah, you reap what you sow. Yeah. Like my mom said, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. <laughs> that is social media in a nutshell. Yeah. Yeah. Quit being negative. We, we've touched on stuff like oh, that before yeah. in the past. It's don't make even for us. Like who are we? Who are we inviting to join this sport? Or when we're trying to be be these people that are we're the best ever. We are better than you. No one wants to get involved in anything like that. I mean, it's we're we're not here to keep other people out. What makes this thrive and and gives us the ability to pass this on to our families and our, our grandchildren and, and all those folks is how we act as a group. And Kyle hit the nail on the head. It's be positive. Take a kid hunting. Introduce somebody to this. It's not worth having if you can't share it. And negativity is not the thing to do on social media. Outdoorsmen, outdoorsmen. It's it's truly pointless. We, we got – most of us are drawn to waterfowling because of the camaraderie we can share in the blind. And I think it's it defeats a lot of the purpose of being a waterfowler if you can if if you wouldn't talk you know talk to other waterfowlers as you would I get it some ethics and 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 styles are different but man that's that's their style that's their ethics whatever but focus on hey you know what we laughed a lot today you know we gave each other crap today because <laughs> that's it that's that's just what it is it all goes hand in hand you know. Agreed. They shouldn't be shouldn't be scared of posting your success on the internet. You know, everybody's success is different. Yeah, yeah could exactly. Be that one I'll, I'll just, I'll just make sure to. I'll just don't make be scared. Sure. You know, it just. I promise you, <laughs> if I see it, <laughs> good job, man. <laughs> That's what I'm sitting there thinking. I'm, if I, uh, I'm tagging Bo's location. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah selling uh, pins now oh man yeah no that's so, not happening well <laughs> i don't i don't really have anything else to say i think you guys summed there's it up a, great there's a lot of information yeah. a lot, a lot of information to, hour 45 minutes almost yeah, so. we're, we're here to break records if you haven't noticed yeah. uh, thank you guys for tuning in for the longest rogers podcast ever so yes um catch us next time we're gonna go for five and a half hours we appreciate it as long as there's ribeye right? yeah <laughs> Yeah. They're not going to cook themselves. No. no. I mean, you are the chef tonight. Thank you guys for having no. us. Oh, yeah. absolutely. It's been a blast. Thank you guys. We enjoy this, the podcast stuff we do with you guys all the time. All right. That's a wrap. All right, guys. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you did, go ahead and give us a subscribe. That way you're going to get a notification every time we put out a new podcast. Chandler, what else should they do? Go to our uh, social media pages and give us a like on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. Uh, get a subscribed to YouTube channel. We do uh, product reviews there. If we do a live or a recorded video podcast, we'll put them up on YouTube also. And then uh, giveaways is a great part of our social media as well. And then we just want to thank you guys for what you guys do and support us so we can do stuff like this. Yeah, if you guys wasn't for you guys' support, we couldn't keep doing the podcast or all the social media and the videos you guys love. Yeah, so thank you.